Welcome to Episode 2 of Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. I'm Father Ron Shibley, Founder and Director of the Anglican Internet Church. Revisions to this series are part of the AIC's continuing celebration of the start of its second decade on the web. In Episode 2, I begin with a discussion of the literary characteristics of Revelation and close with discussion of my primer on numerology in Revelation, which is offered as an aid to understanding Revelation. Although the book has only one author, St. John the Apostle, Evangelist, and Theologian, it is written in three distinct storytelling styles. These three are based on primary sources. The first is the Hebrew Old Testament and the Greek Old Testament, commonly called the Septuagint, often abbreviated as LXX, the Roman letters for 70. The second source is the three synoptic Gospels, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and the epistles, especially those of St. Paul. And the third and final source is certain artistic devices found in classic Greek drama in the years before the first century A.D. The three literary styles are prophetic, epistolary, and apocalyptic. Some chapters in Revelation include writing that is characteristic of more than one style. The illustration for the next 11 slides is a circa 870 to 875 AD frontispiece from a Bible produced at Reims, France for the coronation of Charlemagne as Holy Roman Emperor at Rome on Christmas Day, 875 AD. Prophetic. In the scriptural sense, prophet means a person chosen by God to deliver a message or messages which are prophecy. Of the Old Testament prophets, those who put their prophecy into writing are called the writing prophets. St. John was greatly influenced by the writing prophets, especially Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and Joel. Revelation also reflects St. John's knowledge of the history offered in the book of Joshua, and the insights into the relationship among God, Satan, and mankind that are found in the book of Job. The prophetic parts of Revelation contain warnings to the world of the final judgment, which will represent God's final victory over evil and mark the coming of the kingdom of God. In chapter 1, John opens the work, with both a prophecy and a blessing, the first of seven blessings or beatitudes found in the book of Revelation. Epistolary. The label epistolary comes from the Greek epistole, meaning written messages or letters in modern English. St. John used the epistolary style for chapters 2 and 3 which are the letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor, and for the epilogue, chapter 22, verses 18 to 21. 
this form was clearly influenced by the epistle writing style created by and popularized by St. Paul. In the mid-first century A.D., several decades before John wrote Revelation. Apocalyptic Revelation follows in the footsteps of Ezekiel, Daniel, Enoch, and the author of Maccabees, the latter two books from the non-canonical books of the Old Testament, and of the authors of the chariot literature from the Hebrew Merkaba of the late Hebrew period being three to four centuries before Christ. St. John offers divine visions and other powerful imagery, including the New Testament's only use of the Hebrew term Armageddon, which is derived from the name of the town of Megiddo. Also, as you will see, St. John uses a powerful literary device known as the Greek chorus when he wished to reinforce a theme or a message within a story. The second topic for discussion in Episode 2 is numerology in Revelation. As I pointed out in Episode 1, I believe that no reader of Revelation, whether laity or clergy, can hope to come to terms with the meaning intended by St. John without first understanding how the Hebrew people and the early Christians understood numerology. Indeed, such understanding, as I said earlier, is one of the keys to Revelation studies. All books of the Bible, whether the Old Testament or the New Testament, use numerology. But in no other book does numerology have the power and importance it does in Revelation. Before I begin this primer on numerology, I ask you to set aside the modern prejudice against numerology, which is often considered an occult practice, perhaps the equivalent of witchcraft. For the Hebrews and for early Christians, it was simply a way of understanding certain mysterious and even mystical numbers. For this explanation, the primer, I have consulted several sources, the most important of which is the Orthodox Study Bible, New Testament, and Psalms. We begin with the Hebrew magical numbers 3 and 4. 3 and 4 were considered perfect numbers. They were identified with the two primary geometric shapes, a triangle and a square. For Christians, the number 3 in the age of St. John and since symbolizes the three divine persons of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. On the slide is a 15th century depiction of the Trinity by the skilled Russian icon painter Andrei Rublyov. Since Eastern Church practice prohibits depictions of God the Father, Rublyov chose the three figures who visited Abraham in Genesis 18:1-8 as his model. The number four 
not only describes the number of sides of a square, and in the Psalms describes the primary directions on a compass, north, east, south, and west, but was also used by Ezekiel in Ezekiel 1, verses 5 and 21, in his vision of four creatures, which Christianity adopted as symbols of the four gospel authors, lion, calf, man, and eagle. The illustration is a 12th century illumination, Christ in glory, surrounded at the four compass points by the four figures in Ezekiel's vision, and in the four corners, images with the same symbols of the four gospel authors from the Codex Bruxal, made for Speyer Cathedral in Speyer, Germany. In Revelation, John uses four repeatedly to number the living creatures with eyes front and back in chapter 4, verse 6, the horns of the golden altar in chapter 9, verse 13, the angels on the Euphrates in chapter 9, verse 14, the horsemen of the apocalypse in chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, the winds and corners of the earth in chapter 1, verse 7, two other visions of living creatures in chapter 5, verses 6 and 14, chapter 19, verse 4, and the number of the corners of the earth, each with an angel, in chapter 7, verse 1. The four angels and the four winds are shown in an illumination from the Bamberg Apocalypse, made in the early 11th century, from the AIC bookstore publication, Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. There is more about the book later in this episode. The sum of magical numbers 3 and 4 is 7, which is in itself considered to be the perfect number. 7 symbolizes fullness, or the presence of all meaningful things. The Eastern Orthodox Church frequently uses the concept of fullness to describe both the presence in one's heart of the essence of God and also the spiritual state of those in whose hearts the Lord's Spirit resides. There are certain corollaries to the concepts of seven as representing fullness. Two of these are six, which in any combination represents a lack of fullness, or as you might say, six is not seven, or less than seven, unfulfilled. Likewise, eight signifies an abundance of perfection. And for more on this, see Second Enoch chapter 33, verse 1. In Christian understanding, Sunday is the eighth day, or the day of resurrection. In Revelation, the number seven is used repeatedly. It is the number of the churches in Asia Minor to which chapters 2 and 3 are addressed. The golden lampstands and stars and angels associated with the seven churches in chapter 1, verse 20. The lamps of fire and spirits of God before his throne in chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. 
the number of Beatitudes or blessings in Revelation in 1, 3, 14, 13, 16, 15, 19, 9, 20, 6, 22, 7, and 22, 14. The seals on the scroll in chapter 5, verses 1 and 5. The horns and eyes of the slain lamb in chapter 5, verse 7. The angels and trumpets in the visions found in chapters 8 through 12. That in chapters 8, verse 1 through chapter 12, verse 16. The thunders in chapter 10, verse 3. The plagues in 15, verses 7 and 8. The bowls in chapter 16. The mountains and kings in chapter 17, verse 9. The bowls filled with plagues in chapter 21, verse 9. The heads and diadems or crowns of the scarlet beast or dragon in chapter 12, verse 3, and the number of thousands slain in 11, 3. And I'll speak more about the meaning of the word thousands later. Another corollary of the concept of seven as a symbol of fullness is three and a half. Three and a half in Revelation is more than just a number. It symbolizes both a discrete number of days or years or months, but more broadly means something that is not full or not complete or not perfect. Once again, seven interrupted. Examples are three and a half years equals 1,260 days, which is also 42 months. All of these terms are used in Revelation. It is the length of the rule of the Emperor Nero, the length of the days of the persecution of the church at Jerusalem by the Gentiles, prophesied in chapter 11, verses 1, 2, and 3, the number of days of captivity of the woman and male child in chapter 12, verses 6 and 14, the period during which the beast spoke blasphemies in chapter 13, verse 5, in Revelation 11, verses, verse 9, three and a half is the number of days in which dead bodies are left in the streets without burial. And here, remember the Jews were required to bury the dead before sundown. The illustration for this sequence is a frontispiece from an 11th century Revelation manuscript, the Apocalypse of St. Saver, made in Spain from the collection of the Bibliothèque Nationale in Paris, France. Three and a half has one other symbolic dimension. In St. John's account, three and a half can also symbolize that God has shown mercy by not destroying all of something. And I will cover this in more detail in the discussion of the text, and when I do so, relate it to the Old Testament account of Noah and the promise made after the flood. The number 12 appears in Scripture in both the Old and the New Testament. It is the number of tribes of Israel and the number of Jesus' original disciples, which John calls the twelve apostles of the Lamb in Revelation 21, verse 14. There are twelve fruits on the tree of life in Revelation 22, verse 2. St. John describes the division of Israel into groups of 12,000 in chapters 7, verses 5, 6, 7, and 8. 
and again more on thousands later. He writes about twelve stars on the woman's crown in chapter 12, verse 1, twelve foundations on the wall of the heavenly city in 21.14, twelve gates in the wall in 21.12, each of which was adorned with twelve angels again in 21.12. These are shown in the illumination from the Bamberg Apocalypse as it was used in the AIC bookstore publication Revelation an idealist interpretation. The number 24 is the sum of 12 plus 12. 24 is the size of the teams of the priests who rotated on duty in the temple. It is the number of elders in chapter 4, verse 4 and eleven sixteen, who sat before God on his throne and later fell down before God in chapter 19, verse 4 and worshipped him. On the slide is an early 19th century watercolor and pen illustration of the elders tossing their crowns before the thrones by William Blake. The number 144 is the result of 12 times 12. In a moment, I will turn to another use of 144 multiplied by 1,000. This is not just a theological interpretation. The practice of finite counting in absolute numbers, for example, we might say 1,359 died in an apartment building fire. Such a concept did not exist until after the Renaissance period in Western Europe. In the King James Version, the word thousand is derived from an old English word from the 5th through the 12th centuries, many centuries after the writing of Revelation. The illustration is again the frontispiece from the Apocalypse of St. Xavier also known as the Beatus of St. Xavier. Psalm 91 provides an example of the Hebrew understanding of thousands. In verse 7, the psalmist writes, A thousand shall fall beside thee, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. A thousand here is not one more than nine hundred ninety-nine. It means a great many. The phrase 10,000 at thy right hand means an enormous number, one well beyond the average person's comprehension, and suggests that even in such a terrible situation, the Lord would protect the godly. In Daniel's vision of the Ancient of Days in Daniel 7.10, Daniel writes, a thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. This is explained in the New King James Version Study Bible as meaning innumerable servants and not a specific number. On the slide is a late 18th century depiction of Daniel 7.10 by William Blake. In the same way, the number 144,000, the result of 12 times 12 times 1,000, is used in chapter 14 in the context of the faithful followers of the Lamb who have the Father's name written on their foreheads. 
Hebrew temple priests wore a similar headband that announced that they were faithful to the Lord. The illustration is an illumination of the 144,000 made by the scribe Martinus for a Revelation manuscript made around 1086 A.D. in Osna, Spain. In other places in Revelation, 144,000 is used to identify the saints or the elect. Many Protestant denominations after the Reformation took this to mean a specific number had been chosen for salvation. Another huge number used in Revelation is 200,000 thousands. This is a term and not a number. It suggests a quantity beyond one's ability to count or perhaps to even comprehend the magnitude of. The number was well beyond the population of the earth at the time. The illustration is another scene from the Apocalypse of St. Saver showing John receiving his revelation. One final example of numbers in Revelation is the fractions one-third and one-fourth. In Revelation, these fractions commonly mean a significant portion of a whole number, or not all. In John's symbology, the fractions also indicate that mercy had been shown since not all are killed. In the vision in Revelation chapter 8, verses 9 through 12, one-third of the living creatures in the sea, the ships on the sea, the trees on the land, and the sun, moon, and stars are destroyed, and one-third of the earth's rivers are turned into a sea of blood, and one-third of the waters are turned into wormwood. In Revelation 9, verse 18, one-third of the peoples of the earth are killed by plagues. The significance is that mercy has been shown in that two-thirds were not killed. Thank you for joining me for Episode 2 of Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. Next time in Episode 3, I will start with a discussion of the text of Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 to 13a. Other AIC resources on topics discussed in this episode include, from the AIC Bookstore Publications, the companion book to this series, Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation, which is presented in 214 pages with 52 illustrations, 51 of them from the 11th century manuscript, the Bamberg Apocalypse. The image of John receiving his revelation is found on page 19. In the writing prophets of the Old Testament, the major prophets Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel, presented in 198 pages with 62 illustrations, the major prophets Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel are discussed and illustrated in part 2, pages 13 to 58. Daniel's vision of the Ancient of Days begins on page 45. From the minor prophets, Joel and Zechariah are discussed and illustrated in Part 3, pages 65 to 70 and pages 105 to 110, respectively. In Layman's Lexicon, a handbook of scriptural, theological, and liturgical terms, key words of interest are angels slash archangels, beatitudes, epistle, holy trinity, mercy, 
prophet slash prophecy, salvation, Satan, and synoptic gospels. Finally, the key to accessing everything produced by the Anglican Internet Church is available at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. We've made it easier for you to learn about Christian history, doctrine, worship, and study using your preferred way of learning. You can watch our Bible study, Christian education, and seasonal video series using the links on the digital library or Bible study pages. Or if you prefer listening, you can listen to the podcast versions of any of our videos using the links on either the podcast archive page or for our homilies for all the Sundays in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer using the links on the podcast homilies page. Or, if you prefer written works, you can access any of the 17 AIC bookstore publications, all but one available in both paperback and Kindle editions using the virtual bookstore link at the bottom of the homepage or directly through my Amazon Author Central page, https colon right slash right slash www. Amazon.com, right slash author, right slash Ronald hyphen E hyphen Shibley. Everything after dot com must be in lowercase letters. I also invite you to subscribe to my blog page at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net, which is accessible through the Father Ron's blog tab at the top or the bottom of any page on the site. Additionally, by clicking the Follow Anglican Internet Church legend, you'll be invited to register your email address to receive notice of all new postings. Please be assured that we do not share subscriber information with any other entity, and you can remove your address at any time. Until next time, may the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and make use of its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.